1: There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs>
0: you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. <laughs> Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and alone with me in the studio behind the glass is Rocket Man Amy Bishop.
1: Love to get him alone.
0: <laughs> I do enjoy these episodes whenever it's just you and I. We don't get to do this enough. Maybe we should just fire the rest of the cast.
1: (laughs) Just kidding. That'd be so much work for you, though.
0: (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm not gonna fire you I'm just kidding I love you all so very much our cast has grown a lot man just since we started me and you and Billy in here and then Ralph yeah. and Cherry and Sarita and of course Tiziana doing Notes from the Underground and Charlton R. Carter I like having him as an alternate he's,
1: he's, so, a, he's nice, such a nice guy he really he's a genuinely is genuinely nice man
0: he's a genuinely nice guy and he um, we, we have taking on uh, playing chess now. We use chess.com and we oh, play really? chess. Yeah, we're, we have a game constantly. He smoked me this morning, which <laughs> he just smoked me.
1: If you ever want to feel better, we can play one.
0: <laughs> oh, good, yeah. Um, today is just, this is just a conversation. Um, it's a special episode. It's going to be released, not on our standard Thursday. I don't know when. I'm going to release it before the end of the year, probably. Uh, if you have time, that is, if we can get it done. This if is going to be
1: so easy with us in separate rooms. Yeah. I, if... If I don't do all of my usual cajoling and coughing and <clears throat> yeah, yeah, to yeah. edit out, you almost don't need to edit it when everybody's in separate rooms.
0: Yeah. So maybe we should make a big separate room studio. That'd giant be neat. booth. <laughs> mini booths. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to just have a conversation with you. Um, have you ever heard the term protology? I have not. Yeah. So protology as opposed to proctology. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, protology is a noun. It's the branch of theology pertaining to origins and first things. So, what I wanted to do was try to give our audience a little bit of an understanding of Can where... you
1: do that again? I'm so sorry. Repeat that.
0: Protology?
1: Yeah. Sure. Absolutely.
0: So, protology is a noun, uh, and it is the branch of theology pertaining to origins and first things. Okay, so okay. like proto,
1: that sort proto, of proto.
0: like pr- like prototyping, the first of the origin of a thing, whatever it might be. And the reason why protology is such an important theological branch is because it tells you where things began from. For instance, in the Bible, in the beginning, God, right? So mm-hmm. what I wanted to do is to give our listening audience an understanding of where I'm coming from in this... World, we've introduced some very different theological perspectives, especially on eschatology or the study of the future things, the what we call the end times. Yeah, um, we've introduced a lot of people to preterism as a whole, which just
1: is from the Latin word praetor, which means past. By the way, just a fascinating journey to like sort of be a part of, yeah, you know? because it, was it seems a, like it seems like. Maybe not. Maybe it's just because I've just learned of it, you know, recently, and and they see the world so myopically. But, uh, but it seems like it seems like it's also kind of having a moment a little mm-hmm. bit, just as a thought, as an idea. Anyway, it
0: sorry. really is. Yeah, it, it's new to us. It's not necessarily new to the world. To the world of theology, it's probably forty or fifty years, I would say, where it's really started taking root in but, America.
1: But how rare. Right. How rare at that point. Yeah. Very rare. Exceedingly rare. I mean, difficult to talk to some people about today. Yeah. Four years ago, I can't imagine. Anyway, I, sorry, derail.
0: Yeah. And you've met people like Don K. Preston. He was one of those those originators back in the day writing these books. You know, Gary DeMar was a partial preterist. He comes out and and writes, you know, like Last Day's Madness and, you know, is, is challenging sort of the status quo in. In eschatology, you know, and that's not all that he focuses on. He focuses on all kinds of things. Right, so but that's thought,
1: what we talk to him we, about.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. And Don Preston, he, you know, I would say he mainly talks about eschatology, in, in particular, AD 70. Um, brilliant man, wonderful. I love that guy, sweet yeah, he man. Was, he was very
1: cool. I liked him a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah very nice. It's fun. Um, but, yeah, and Rick Carter, uh, one of the reasons why he became a fan was because, you know, he, he heard our study on the Olivet Discourse where we were going through this in real time. Mm-hmm. And where I was adopting the partial preterist view and worked my way to full preterism and um, by doing so became a heretic of the church of Orthodoxy because by by and large it's not an accepted you know eschatology.
1: No, no. and so,
0: not. You know, and that is a scary feeling. It's a scary feeling when you go down a path like that, you start separating yourself. I'm not separating myself from anyone, but if anyone sits down and talks to me and says, what do you believe? And I say, oh, I believe Jesus already came. People are like, what? You know, and that... Oh, it was
1: mind-blowing the first time I heard. It wasn't even like, I didn't know it was an option. I said that, I've said this a couple times, at least on this podcast before, but I didn't even know it was an option.
0: Right, yeah, and... Uh, when we started introducing like hermeneutics, you know, and by uh, it was basically the science of interpreting uh, interpreting the Bible, you know, um, where we we use that one hermeneutical approach of the audience relevance, like what is relevant to the audience. And you said it brilliantly, actually, to Billy. You tried to explain to him how I was setting up the study, which is it's like we're looking in the past and we're watching a dialogue between a church and a person, and we're wa- we're reading that exchange yeah. from the future looking back, and we're not opening it up and saying, okay, this is relevant to me right now, which was different because we were taught to make the Bible relevant to us.
1: Right, yeah. Well, I think that's a part of, like, keeping people interested in a thing. Yes. That's probably a little unavoidable.
0: It is. And you also, you get into, uh, you know, I've talked about groupthink, where I want to be accepted by my peers, and I want to feel the love and affection of my peers. And by having a common belief and common ground, that was something that was important to me as a person.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I get that entirely.
0: Yeah. And so you get around a group, they believe a thing, and you start to inspect it yourself, and you start, hey, wow, wow, I actually do— um, sort of align myself with that. And even though there might be things I don't necessarily align with, it's okay because I still want to be a part of the group. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, you know, we're, we're as close as you can reasonably ask because it, everybody believes a little different.
0: Yeah, and that's a great point, which is the point of this, you know, this episode. We all do believe something a little bit differently. We all do.
1: Yeah, every two humans... I mean, obviously people line up on a lot of stuff, but if you get granular, it doesn't matter who you're talking to you're going to you can find something they disagree on and it's just yes it's just like anything else you know little bits add up and whatever
0: yeah and so that so that's what brings me to the main the core subject of this conversation is i want to get to the base the foundation of what is actually going on right now. Like we our podcast is exploding, we're getting more popular or <laughs> unpopular to some.
1: Well, you know, that's kind of I think they both happen at the same time. Yeah, I think <laughs> just so. It's just how it is. Doesn't matter what you're doing.
0: Yeah, our demographics have been slowly shifting and changing. We're starting to work our way down into some of the younger groups now. Interesting. Yeah, we went from, you know, the 85-year-old to 55-year-old down to the 45-year-old and we're we're slowly working our way down. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. we're,
1: we're especially given The fact that we've been talking about some radical stuff, you know, you're gonna that's gonna skew a little younger. It's just how change works.
0: Yeah, and and we've gotten very personal in here. We've talked about some serious, serious things like sexual abuse and rape and suicide. Absolutely some Yeah.
1: You can't see how big my eyes are, but some stories where you're just like, Man.
0: Yeah. How in the world did you get through that? You know, and We've talked to people like Derek Lambert, who's been through the whole, you know, went through the mill, the church mill, and came out the other side as a mythicist and no longer a mythicist, actually. Even though his shirt is, his uh, show is called Myth Vision, he's actually just, uh, I don't know what he is actually. I don't think he even knows. I, I
1: just thought Mythvision was a fun name. What is a mythicist? It's
0: a mythicist, and I don't know. I I, I don't know if it's. It something might be like a with.
1: self-definition thing. Uh,
0: yeah, I know that he says he doesn't claim to be a mythicist anymore, or something like that. I don't know.
1: <laughs> maybe I'll Google it later. Yeah,
0: maybe I maybe I will too. I don't. know. We'll see. But regardless, you know, I've had people come at me and say, "Why did you talk to him? Don't you understand?" And it's like, "Yeah, I did talk to him because he's a human being." I also wanted to understand his road and what he was on, because a lot of us are on that similar path, sure. you know, and especially me. Now, I came from atheism, and so I'm sort of going the backward route, yeah. you know. He yeah, went yeah. from believing into it, you know, so... But I was, I was raised, like I've said before, in a home where they respected the Bible and God, but they didn't read the Bible. Right. And then I was then moved over into a family where uh, God was not, you know, even... Yeah, real.
1: thought about it was encouraged though.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, and to learn how to argue the 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 fact that he doesn't exist. You know, I was taught that too. And so it's a it's a weird, it's a weird dichotomy. It and is
1: weird. I think Derek is a really interesting example too, because of the reason people will be like, Why'd you have him on? Because I think people are scared that that is the road of preterism, mm-hmm. that the road of preterism is this like is this like weird back road into atheism somehow. Mm -hmm. It seems to be people believe that. I don't know that there's case for that. Honestly, I don't, but, but I think that's when people ask about him, it's not because of what he believes. It's because people worry that that journey is, uh, is, how do I say this? Sorry. i have just, people worry about that journey becoming real for other people. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure why. There's something particularly about preterism that I think challenges faith. Uh, but, but I think that's what people, when you get people like Derek, I think that's what people are worried about.
0: I think it's much like the same way that I would become a part of a group because uh, I had similar beliefs that they did. And so I aligned myself with them. They're afraid that if they're not rooted and grounded in the things, perhaps that the Bible says, maybe they have a distorted right. view of that of Bible. Yeah, sure. So they're concerned that, well, if you have a distorted view and then you go with other people that have distorted views, you become a group. And then all of a sudden, you've left one fold to another.
1: That's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true because we are, we are just pack animals and we're pretty prone towards, especially groupthink. Uh, but I don't even mean in the weird, let's yeah. chant in the street way, just in the yeah, kind of vibing the way the people you're around vibe.
0: Absolutely. And so, what I wanted to discuss, I mean, not just, when I say with you, I mean the general you. <laughs> we, the, you know, the we. The we, yeah. The concept of God, okay, as an atheist, God didn't do anything. He wasn't anything. It was the universe or it the, whatever it was. A, ooh, this is
1: a surprise. I, I, didn't, I didn't know we were doing a—
0: Oh, we're going, we're going to go deep. Fun. We're going deep. Okay. I'm going to try right. to get everybody on the same page with us so they understand where we're heading. Okay. So, the concept of God, um, from an atheist perspective, God, there is no God. And so, the universe that we all are living in on this planet Earth, out in the middle of the galaxy, you know, our solar system, was generated by something we call the Big Bang or whatever it might be, right? Right. Something happened somewhere in some time, when we began to measure time, somewhere Things came into existence. Now, the atheist believes that all of these things came into existence through an organized, chaotic event. And mm-hmm. I say organized, chaotic, because we do understand and see chaos in our world. Sure, we great. see it in the universe, but we also see organization and things that kind of look like design, but we don't agree that it was by a designer.
1: Right, right. And it was it is chaos that just happened to lead to organization, which as incredibly rare as that literally is, given all of time and space— Right, that's then, the idea. Anyway.
0: Yeah, and then the and the atheists in their mind they say I can accept that chaos created order. I can do that, you know. And a lot of people say, "Oh, you, how could that happen?" That's like the old encyclopedia or the or the monkeys, you well, know, the, with the typewriter.
1: Here's, here's the thing about chaos. It's a fun word. There's a book called Chaos. I can't remember who wrote it, but you just, you'd probably be easy to find. I think you get halfway through that book before you realize that there is no such thing as chaos. It's mm. really just order with input variables that are so complicated that they can't be tracked, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. So, that's kind of how I feel about chaos. You're like, yes, it's a useful word, but I believe at some point that it's just, you just, you don't understand what's going on under the hood. I'm not sure about actual chaos. Right. But obviously, anything you can't foresee becomes chaos, kind of.
0: Yeah, and so if if you understand that there's this incalculable order, Within that, it means that it basically destroys the idea of chaos. I get that. That's what the guy from who wrote Chaos says. Our minds are capable of <laughs> so much to go down that rabbit hole. Sure. But the concept of God is that rather than it being chaos, is that God was always, which is interesting to me because that is the name that the Bible gives him.
1: What, always?
0: Always. Yeah. Basically, it's – well, it's not always. It's I am. Mm-hmm. And the understanding is that he, and I'm using the pronoun of he, even though he is not a man, and when we read it in our language, it's he, but God as a concept always was. And in the English language, saying the word always to me is the best way to describe it. He never had a beginning. He is always. I mean, the noodle cook, right? Sure. So, whether you're an atheist or you are not, Something is creating something somewhere somehow. Whether it's by chance, where did the gases come from and the spark, or was God the yeah, thing or, yeah, with the spark? Some right? Hand. Yeah. So you get into that. So the baseline origin is that some what we all see and experience today started somewhere. So. Now or or, you, or did it? I mean,
1: because Or has it always been? Right. Or because God didn't start somewhere. Yeah. Even, I mean, or at least that's the that's the way the belief is treated. Like it just
0: Yeah, like in Darwinism, or if you want to use the Big Bang Theory, for example, they all go back to whatever it might be thirteen point eight billion years ago the Big Bang occurred yeah. and something began. And so that's the only way that we're able to track is based on the evidence of what happened right right thats right. so sure. we track it right so it's it's interesting but so let's put let's just create two camps right now you've got one camp that believe it's a self-generating universe that's always been or it's a god that's always been it's one of the right. two sure. right
1: yeah I'd say that's the prev- I'm sure there's a lot of yeah. interesting ideas but that's the prevailing thing absolutely <laughs>
0: much like chaos it's incalculable <laughs> how many camps there are oh yes. but we're gonna go down to two right and so for right now, with these two groups we're going to lean i'm not i'm not taking away from the atheism side right now what i am is obviously this podcast is we're reading the bible and studying it and talking sure. about it so what i wanted to get our audience to understand is that what is the bible let's start with that one for a second what is the bible so somewhere along the line when mankind was able to write someone wrote these books now, I understand that within our religion, I'm, I'm air quoting here for everybody. Religion,
1: let there be let there be air quotes. <laughs>
0: be, yeah. So that God wrote the book. Okay, fine. But there's there's a lot to be said about how a God writes a book. Okay. Tribes of the earth, as they began began to create these civilizations and actually had the time to think and not just hunt and gather, right. they had time to think and then they had time to express things in paintings or in drawings or um, it, they weren't just bashing you over the head with a rock or a stick. They actually had a minute. They had him like, like Tiziana says that took a minute. Like, there comes a time when the tribes have these groups of people that have time to sit down and write a language, whether it's in drawing or it's eventually into an alphabet that they all can learn and understand, and it's based on how they speak. So, at some point. There were these tribes. Now, there's a question of who were the earliest tribes that started doing this, right? You can, and I don't know them all, just so everyone understands. I'm very aware that the Hebrew language was not the first language. There was a Sumerian, a Sumerian, yeah. or Sumerian, however you say it. There were Ugaritic tribes. There were other tribes that were writing. The Egyptians, for example, were writing; they were using hieroglyphs and all kinds, of hieroglyphics and all kinds of other things. But these tribes began writing, and so somewhere along the line, the Hebrew tribe began to write. And it's commonly believed that it was the character of Moses that's found in these first five books of the Hebrew Bible, what they call the Tanakh. Now, the Tanakh is. A combination of the law and the prophets and the psalms, and I think it's I can't even remember how I, I think it's Torah, uh, Nevaim and Ketuvim or something like that. And it and they they shorten it and say Tanakh, but it's the Hebrew Bible, what we would call our Old Testament in the Bible, yeah. So It's commonly believed that it's called the Book of Moses, or the Torah, or the Pentateuch, Penta meaning five. These first initial five books were written by Moses. And within those five books, it tells us who Moses was. Moses was raised by the Egyptians. He learns the language. He learns that he is from the Hebrew tribe. He learns the Hebrew language. He also understands Egyptian language. He's this brilliant man who is called out, and then he begins taking his people who are in slavery out of slavery. So that's the guy that supposedly wrote these books, okay? There's no guarantee that he's the one that wrote it. A lot of people think Genesis was written by five different people.
1: I don't know. Sure, sure. I mean, how long would that have been oral before it was written anyway? Exactly. A real long
0: time. Exactly. So so now we let's let's just keep this in mind. We're going with the concept of God and we're going with how men, you know, came out of the the caveman era, you know, when they were beating each other with sticks and they start writing languages. We do know that historically to be true, that these people didn't write until long after these stories began, because Genesis is going back. Genesis meaning beginning. Right. Is pointing back. So, if Moses is the one who actually wrote it, then Moses is pointing back to how all of this started. So, language comes in way late, much later after these critical characters that come in, like Adam and Eve, and Noah, you know, and Abraham, and all of these important characters, Mm -hmm. they're long gone.
1: Oh, yeah. They're long
0: gone gone and dead. So, these are oral traditions that are now being written down. And Moses, according to what Christians or the Jewish people or even Islamic people believe in regard to these books— that these were divinely inspired, that the very God that it's talking about is the one that helped these men write these words. That's the belief.
1: I think they I think, yeah, all sex, everything that kind of came from Judaism, they all believe that to some extent, right? Right,
0: right. So now I'm kind of gonna break from that thought and we're gonna start talking about the origins of things. Because whoever wrote this book, Genesis, is trying to point us back. Now, Genesis is a very interesting book, man. It is a very interesting book. It has been ridiculed. It has been studied. People who are in science have tried to make it agree with science and and all of this stuff. Whatever you want to do, fine. To me, I've always said the same thing. This is where this podcast is. We're not scientists. This is a religious book, this is a religion. It is about a God. It is the thought process of a non-scientific person who has this understanding of the beginning of all things and is writing it down for you. Whether God is downloading it into their minds and they're writing it, or these people are thinking it and are common in their group, in agreement with what they think this is, this is what they're writing down, okay? So, in order for us to begin to believe in the God of the Hebrews. Then we have to begin to believe that this book is legitimate. If the book is not legitimate, then it's not a belief, it's just a study, right?
1: Sure. Makes yeah, sense? That makes sense.
0: Okay. So, I don't know of anybody that read Genesis and suddenly became a believer. Like, I know people no, that—
1: I think it it's a little more complicated than that.
0: Exactly. There was a salvation experience that they had, whether it's through Jesus, or they were raised in a family of Jews who believed in God, and so, through the group, of course, they begin to know and believe and understand and believe in Yahweh.
1: Yeah, to take something more. I mean, people don't read the Lord of the Rings and then randomly, occasionally believe it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not the same.
0: Right, and it's much like when you we talk about the Greeks, you know, with mythology, we must understand that there was a time in history where they believed the stories that Zeus was on Mount Olympus and that, you know, there are people that oh, believe yeah. in these things. You know, the Romans believed in many gods like Mercury and Apollo and, you know what I mean?
1: So many gods, yeah.
0: So many gods, right. So, every group of people you know they have this concept of something other than just a scientific approach it's a concept of a god that created things now you have some early tribes that man there was <laughs> some weird gods you know like some very weird you know this god was the god of the sea and so anytime oh, yeah. you know this was the god of the sky or I feel the like sun
1: that's, that's common in like early early religion right i mm-hmm. think uh, i think that's more common than the the one god thing which I've said before, I think probably came about because of the expansion of Judaism. I think most other world religions at that point probably had multiple deities.
0: Yeah, and definitely when you look at the Hindu religion, especially, and, um, and I don't, let's keep this under okay uh, understanding here. I don't know Hindu, Hinduism to its fullest extent. Yeah, I don't know. I've never read the Bhagavad Gita. I didn't know really what it was until Tiziana told me what it was. And that's that's my ignorance, right? So, I, know,
1: I know hippies with a couple statues of neat-looking Hindu gods. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how deep my knowledge is.
0: Right, exactly. You know, I know that um, there's several religions in the world. We're mainly focusing on the Hebrew religion. This is based on the nation of Israel. That's The Bible is based on Israel. It is the most unique story you know, to me it's unique because I grew up in a Christian you know w- worldview, you know I may not have been a Christian, but our government, our teachers, our the people that were talking to us were telling us these, you know, uh, you know, in God we trust, you know, in 1954, when they put that on the money, like, okay, so God's a part of the, the process. So, when I grew up in the group, I grew up understanding, even though I was arguing the existence of him, that the general populace accepted the fact that there was a God. And this God comes from the Hebrew Bible. Right. All right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, and yeah. so, we call it the Judeo-Christian ethic here right, in America, but because it's a combination of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's, we're talking about the Hebrew Bible, the he, the God of the Hebrews in this book. That's what it's based on. And so, there is a moment—let's assume there's a God. Now, of course, I believe, and I know you don't, but let's assume there is a God, and we're going to go down this path. There's a moment when this God made a decision— he decided to create something. We call it the heaven and the earth. Genesis says it in the beginning. The beginning of what? When God did the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The
1: beginning of our story.
0: That's right. The be- Exactly. The beginning. So they say God created the heaven and the earth. Now, you keep reading the Bible, you're going to find out there's a whole lot that goes with that, right? Sure. This is just a baseline thing. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read the first few... Sentences. It says, so the Hebrew Bible introduces this God to us. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So we get introduced to this God, and He creates, it says, in the beginning, He created the heaven and the earth, but the first thing He actually creates is light. Now, science... (laughs) <laughs> you know, it, it. We can go down this crazy rabbit hole, and I'm not going to. That's not the point. The point of the podcast. It would
1: be fun, though, to be fair.
0: It would be if I was more educated, but I'm not. If I, maybe we should get some people in here that can educate us on what they think the origin of things were, and I'd I be interested I just got in what light.
1: I just, kinda never thought of this before. So you created light first, but if there is nothing else, what do the light be doing? Exactly. Anyway, it's so just that's a silly thought.
0: No, it's not a silly thought. It's actually an incredibly deep thought because that's the point. It really is the light. What is the light? It's not the sun. It's not the stars. It's not anything. It's just light. He separates light and darkness. So this God of the Hebrew Bible, his first order of business is separating light from darkness. It suddenly becomes dual. Now we have a dualism obviously there's religions on dualism. Sure. But so now you've got light and you've got darkness. Now it goes through a series of creation. He has, you know, he takes, he creates the dry land. He separates the firmament from the firmament, which is this, the atmosphere and the sky from the space and waters. And then he starts creating the animals and the birds of the air. And then he's got the fish at the sea. And so whether you're in evolution or whatever it doesn't have to agree. This is not a scientific approach. This is a introduction of how this God was a creator. So, he makes all the things, right? And he's got it all. And he says, God says, and he saw that it was good. So, this God we've been introduced to creates all the things and the things that he's created, he says, it's good. So, that tells us a little bit about God. He was pleased with the things that he did. So, in time, he creates time, by the way. Once light is made, time begins. That makes sense, actually. And so, from the moment light is created, time begins, and the thing has begun. He's began a thing, and here it is, and now he's done the thing, and he's pleased with it. And it says that on the sixth day that he creates... I'm going to read what the sixth day says... It's going to take me a minute to get to it here. So it says in chapter one of Genesis, this is, we're being introduced. And he says, and God said, Genesis 1, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you notice that that was a plural word?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, I had never actually. I probably just breezed over that. So he too says, quickly. "Yeah,
0: let us." And God said, "Let us make man in our image." Now, now wasn't suddenly, there,
1: there was. I mean, wasn't there originally like, a, like there was a female god to go with that, the god of that religion originally?
0: There was yeah. a long, long time ago before it was ripped out.
1: Yeah, it was just kind of dropped. Asherah. The way ideas morph.
0: Yes, Asherah or Ashtaroth. I've heard all kinds of names, but Asherah basically was a female God. Now, is that what this Bible is introducing? No, it's not. If it did, it's been removed before it made it to us. Sure, long before. So as of right now, according to this book, where we are right now, he says, let us make man in our image. It suddenly becomes plural. Now, the Christians will tell you that is the Trinity, that that is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit saying, "Let's make man in our image." There are other people that believe in a divine council, and He's talking to the other gods that He's made, which are a part of the heavens, which you learn about later in the book. That He's talking to them. Uh, we do know that the man that they're going to be introduced to this being suddenly in the garden, the serpent being that begins to talk about other things and we're going to get to that in a second but we do know that there's another being because that being shows up out of nowhere but as of right now we don't know that. We know that he has made a bunch of animals, he's made the sun and the moon and he's he's called the day and the night and all of these things like he's got all of his stuff created but he makes man in our image. So there is a plural to this. We have to keep that in mind. Now, so he says he created him. Uh, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed him. If he says male and female, and he was made in our image, there's the female. But the female hadn't been made yet, and you're going to find that out later. But in the beginning, as we're yep. reading this, he's created male and female. So we are going to be going back to this sixth day. But let's—he here's what he tells this male and female couple.
1: Oh, says, that's right. That's another piece of lore I'd long forgotten. Anyway.
0: So and he and, and he blessed them. Okay. He blessed them. So God saw the things that he made and was good. While he was making man and woman, he 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 makes them on the sixth day and he blessed them. So God blessed them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. So have sex, have mm-hmm. children, replenish the earth, replenish the yeah, earth. Interesting and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you, it shall be for meat. So, when he creates man, he makes them a vegetarian.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: So, he says, eat vegetables. That's what's going to be meat for you.
1: There's lots of, lots of veggies. Go get them. We,
0: got, we made them for you. They have seeds. They can keep going. So, he says, to you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. In other words, even the animals were vegetarians. Oh,
1: wow. Okay, that's completely new.
0: So in this beginning, he's on the sixth day of his creation. He's made man and woman. And he says, I've given you everything that's green, eat it. And of all the things that you see floating around here, all of these birds and fish, fish are obviously eating green plants that are in the ocean or the seas or whatever. The animals are eating vegetation. They're not eating each other. They're all vegetarians. I don't know if that's the proper word. Would it be vegan? Uh, I don't know. They're not eating eggs. I don't know. Probably, so maybe yeah. it's, They're true Probably vegans.
1: Might be, they might be vegans.
0: Yeah, so they're true vegans, right? So That's
1: interesting. That's new.
0: Yeah. So he says, uh, and it was so. So that means when it says, and it was so, the writer of this book says, so this is what God did, and that's exactly what happened. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very Good. It says, behold, it was very good.
1: Well, he got—he was excited the first time, and the second time, he was like, hey, <laughs> the, the work keeps getting better. It
0: just gets better, because he had blessed those two, right? And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So again, we're doing a study in protology, the origins of things. The writer of Genesis has now laid out how all of these things have come to be, and how man was more important Than any of the other things that he created because he said, have dominion over all the things. So, man was an important thing to this creator. That's what the story is beginning with. So, that's what we know. So,
1: go ahead. I was just going to say, how long is there any idea how long between, uh, in like Earth terms, uh, the creation of the universe and the creation of man is? Was it right away? Or did like So, when hang? we talk
0: about days, and you're going to have people that are even argue this point. Oh, this sure. is a pro- I mean, protological right. problem here is that how long was the day? Well, it says that God, he tells Adam to like uh, name all of the things that he'd made. I don't know how long that takes. It probably takes a minute. It takes a minute. But there are some people that say that these days weren't literal days, even though it says an evening in the morning was the first day. Now, was that the full revolution of the sun the way that he had said it then, or was it just based on his timing? Nobody knows. But the baseline is that it was six literal days. That's what some people will say because it's evening and morning.
1: So, he did. The, he had the whole project planned right from the start.
0: That's the way that it, people seem to think. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I do I think it's literal days? I, I just don't right, think so. Right. I, I don't, but I, hey, man, who am I? I'm not a scientist, so then let's let's see what this author says again. He says in chapter two, he says, "Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made." I've heard people say, "Well, was God tired?" (laughs) Maybe just another philosophical question or a theological question. He rested. That means he ceased creating. So, it says, And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So, now we understand that the rest, that he he is resting from it, and not only has he rested, now he's blessed the seventh day. Which is why we're not supposed to
1: work on Tuesday. (laughs) I mean...
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, now God has blessed the man and the woman, but He's also blessed the day of rest. So, that's important for this God. This God that's being introduced to us, it's important that you understand that He has blessed the man and He's blessed the day of rest as well.
1: He was the the He was the first being in the universe to be sort of a pro-labor.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... Verse four, these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So we've got vegetation, but no rain. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And he says there was not a man to till the ground. So what he's doing is the author is taking us back. He's, now he's, he's, the first one is sort of the, the opening, the cold open, and then we get into the details now. Now the author says, all right, let's get into the details of when man's being made. Let's talk about that day for a minute. Let's talk about what's going on. Because he says, and there was not a man to till the ground, so that means man hadn't been made yet, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So that's how the vegetation got it. It wasn't through rain, it was through mist. And In its initial creation, it was through mist. So, and he watered the whole face of the ground, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is the biggest moment. Yeah. This is the magic right here. So, we got to imagine that God formed. Now, he's already created a lot of things. So, I like to think that, that he was down on the ground and he was actually like forming them, right? Yep. That's the way a tribal person would think in my mind. Like, that's what he's doing. He's down there and he's
1: forming with the dirt. Right, the way that they would understand maybe creation. Yeah, which is so something.
0: fun because later in the New Testament, when there's a blind man, Jesus goes up and he grabs some mud up the ground, spits on it, forms it, sticks it in the sky's eye
1: sockets, and suddenly he can see. I did not know that. Yeah, That buddy. happened that way.
0: There's so much more. So much more. So, we're, so here we are. He's formed man and then he's breathed breathing god can breathe this god can breathe what's he breathing aha uh-huh. exactly Nothing. but he can breathe life into this thing so god so now you've been introduced to a god that's life breathe. he can see he can breathe he can do all these things and he's made his man in our image so there's more than one and he's made it he's made the male and he's made the female now so it says and the lord god planted a garden eastward in eden eastward of what Eastward of what?
1: East of Eden.
0: Eastward in Eden. Oh, he says the Eden. Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden.
1: Oh, oh,
0: I, I misheard that. Eastward of what? Yeah. Aha. Now the now the author is giving us direction. This is the first time. Now, direction of what? Now the way that we look at this is remember, this is coming from the Hebrews. It's being written in regard to the Hebrews east of the promised land, east of where God's going to plant these people. So, he's saying that this place is east of where we are now.
1: Right. So, it's not the only thing, though.
0: Yes. And there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, here we go. So now he's planted man, he's planted this garden, and he's put all of this food and everything for him, and he puts two trees there. The knowledge of good and evil being one of them, and the other one is a tree of life. Hmm. So what are these trees doing? All right. And a river. So now he starts talking about rivers. Rivers went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And then he names the rivers. Pisan, out of the land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good, and there is bdellium and onyx stone, and the name of the second river is Gihon, the same is that that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hidekel, that is, it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates, and the Lord God, which we know of the Euphrates today, yeah. and the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it.
1: I just want to say that 10-year-old me kind of giggled at piss on yeah <laughs> as a as a moving body of water yeah <laughs> oh, sorry
0: very funny actually so now if we if we stop for a moment and we think let's remember this is the origin this is protology so now we have a god. He says, our, so it's plural. He makes a male and a female. He puts them into this garden where there are mists and rivers and heads. He plants that garden eastward, which if you look on the map, it's to the right. you know. And he's planted it over here, and he's placed them in it to dress it and keep it. In other words, man had to work. Oh, he did. He did. See? So not only is he made man, but he had to work. And then inside that garden, he's got these two pl- things, one called a tree of life and one called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, this is going to be setting the stage, okay? Then it says, and the Lord God commanded, here's your first commandment ever. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So, God commands the man and says you can have everything you want except this. And if you eat this on the day, he says on the day that you eat of it, you will surely die.
1: Any well. I just I just think it's interesting because like the the whole, well, he meant spiritual death thing is so much more complicated than being like, I don't know, maybe he was treating them like a parent treats a child, and you kind of, you fib a little bit to make sure they're not hurting themselves or doing things you don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: So, yeah. So, now we go back to the author of this thing. he Maybe he's thinking like that. Maybe he's trying to tell you this is how God set it up, and this is what he told him So— and then there are so many schools of thought on this, just so you know. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So many schools. All right. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So guess what? He commanded the man. He didn't command the woman.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Well, she was already created, right? Nope. No. See,
0: the author has taken us
1: back. So oh, when okay. I said he created
0: male and female, I was actually right. incorrect, because according to this, we went back on the day that he's made them, he commanded the man He didn't command the woman. He said it to the man. So here we are. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. First time you've ever heard that God said something wasn't good. That's true. Everything so far has been good and very good. We will find out that very good was on the sixth day when he created male and female. That's when it was very good. Before it was good, but then it was not good because man was alone. That's something that actually Tiziana liked. She thought that it was more romantic that way. I would agree. I will make him and help meet for him. I don't know if people like that so much. (laughs) Uh, But the idea of help meet is what? Well, he was to to dress and keep all of the things that God had given him. He gave woman to man to be somebody that was a companion with him in all of these things that he's doing. So he's not alone. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, right? So we've already been there. Uh, And brought them. So, he says, and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So, the author's saying all of these creatures were named long before we got here, and Adam's the one that named them. Right. Right? So, it's making sense. This is an origin story. It's like Iron Man. No, not really. (laughs)
1: So it is an origin story, though. It's
0: an origin story. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Hey, surgeons, you still doing that? Yeah. We God, rediscovered it. Yep. Caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh. Instead thereof, and the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh, and they both, were, and they were both naked the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So, here in the origin story, we see how the woman was created. So, right. which came first, kids, the chicken or the egg? The the rib. <laughs> the God made the man first, saw that it was not good, then so he made the man go I to love sleep. I the
1: phrasing there.
0: I know. God made the man first, saw that that was not good. <laughs> <laughs> he makes that help meet. It wasn't good for the man. Now, God is forming a relationship— He's forming a relationship by knowing and understanding the thing that He created. So, what this Bible is trying to do is show that a creator made a created thing and is trying to relate to it. He's relating to it. He's saying, here's food for you to eat. Here's things for you to do. Here are all of the animals for you to name and to have dominion over. This is good. That's how he's relating. And then he says, okay, all right, I don't like the fact that you are alone. You need a companion. You need a helper. So I'm going to fix that. And he does it. And according to Genesis chapter 1, it says that on the sixth day when he closed out his creation, it was very good. He was pleased with where he was at that moment, okay? And then he rests, and he blesses the rest day. So now man has an understanding of our seven days. That's what we understand. And that God was trying to relate to his created thing. So, if you are an atheist and you don't believe God exists, then man came from something and relationships are learned through the herd or through whatever it is. That's how we develop our laws or whatever we do, we say, I can't hurt you because we all say we can't do that to one another or whatever it might be, but we've all figured it out along the line. So, either way, either it's going to be a learned behavior through a relationship with a creator or it's a learned behavior through the herd and what is acceptable or not acceptable. Relationship with each other. Exactly. Exactly. So, at the baseline of all of these things is relationship.
1: Yeah. Relationship.
0: That's what creates order, is relationship. That's how I see it. Now, when you get into Genesis 3, the author wants us to be introduced to somebody new.
1: It's an interesting thought that can be summed up in two words. Yeah. Relationship creates order. Well, that's not two words. I'm bad at that. Maybe we should
0: find a Greek word that says all of it. (laughs) Yeah, there might be. There might be, right? Now, let's go to Genesis 3. Uh, Verse 1, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So, this new character who's subtle than all the other beasts, it says he's more subtle than any beast of the field. So, does that mean that the beast's could have some subtle, could be subtle, but they weren't as subtle as
1: this one. That's how I take it.
0: Yeah, kind of, right? But it's, he's aligning this serpent with beasts. All right. So to me, it sounds like animals and a snake is what it sounds right. like to me. We yep. learn much later, it's not. But so this author is trying to give us some understanding of this new character who enters into the game. And he says his first question that he asks the woman, remember, God commanded the man; he did not command the woman. Huh. So the serpent, who is subtle, goes to him. Well, actually, the word. Let, let's do a search on this word. It's subtil. Huh. Okay. Let me let me uh, let me just go look that word up and make sure that it's not subtle like subtle. It's subtil. Subtil, meaning. Is oh, it is subtle. It's just a pronunciation. Uh, let's look at here. It means sly, artful, and cunning.
1: Which is actually slightly different than the dec- the definition you get for s- the other subtle.
0: Yeah, what do you get for the other subtle? Hold on, let me go back to it. Oh. It looks like uh,
1: it's 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 what you. Think it is? It's just maybe that's uh, you know maybe it's just a definitions order. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's that's interesting. Okay, sorry, I'm derailed. Uh, s- subtle Wiktionary, uh, So take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, only used optionally to refer to things whose natural gender is masculine.
0: Hmm. Uh, let me get back to where it was. Fine, thin, slender, delicate. It comes from the Latin Yeah, that's, that's the
1: subtle, yeah.
0: Yeah, under a web from or to weave, literally creeping. <laughs> yeah,
1: well that that works very well. He was a creeper, huh? He was a creeper. He was the, the <laughs> first the
0: first creeper. <laughs> well, he whatever he was, he was cunning, sly, and was weaving and creeping. And the woman said unto the serpent. This is so remember God commanded the man, he didn't command the woman, he commanded the man and he said you can't eat of these this one tree and the this creeper comes up and says did he say that you and and look how he phrases this question you shall not eat of every tree of the garden that's a that's a sly way of asking a question uh-huh. he's a sly fox Oh yeah yeah And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, the woman had the answer. She had the answer. Yep. But she added something to it. God said not to eat it. He never said anything about touching it.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Adam has told Eve, don't go anywhere near that one. They've had enough time to name animals, and they've had enough—and He's God's had enough time to realize that his loneliness was a problem, and he creates a woman, and there's enough time now where we've come after the Sabbath point to where the serpent has had this moment. We don't know how long this has been. We don't know. A lot of people like to think it's instant. I don't think it is. I've said in the past, I don't think it is. Could it be 13.8 billion years? Nah, I don't know. But what I do know is that Adam said to Eve, don't touch it. Right. So the creeper comes along and says, you can't eat of all of them. And she says, oh, actually, there's this one over here that you can't eat, you know, or you can't even touch it, because if you do, you'll surely die. So Adam got that right, because God said, if you eat it, you'll surely die. Yeah. So what does this creeper say in response to what she said? God... um, Verse 4 And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Yep. There's his answer. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, all of a sudden, we get introduced to this other term, gods. Right. So, what does that mean? It means there were gods.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it could be that he was talking about two people, so there would be, be, you know, yeah, that would just making be... Making it plural. ...you would be as gods instead of peoples.
0: Yes. So. so, in other words, you're going to be like the one that created you. Right, right. Or like the others.
1: Or like the others, yeah. Kind of
0: like we did with the uh, origin yeah. of Satan. You know, we we got into this with the origin of Satan uh, and the divine council, but... There's a reason why I'm doing this protology here, and it'll make sense. So, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, there's that word again, for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, because they're going to be as gods, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also under her husband with her, and he did eat. Notice it said her husband with her. He was there. But he oh, was yeah. letting Satan talk to her.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because that's not how that story presents in my mind.
0: Yeah, it's almost like she was off to herself. Right. No. Yeah. He was with her. Uh, it says it. Uh, and the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So, the author is moving really quickly here, but yeah. what in essence is happening is we are introduced to the emotion of shame.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is funny, because they're the only two humans.
0: hmm But they're suddenly noticing something about one another. Right, right. Uh, you're different than I am. But we're supposed to be multiplying. So we could multiply, and there was no shame in that. We could touch each other's parts, and they weren't naughty. Right. They were what they were. Yeah. In its initial relationship, the relationship was fine because there was no shame involved. God had created a thing and made them happy, and it was very good in God's sight. Where's God right now?
1: He's uh, at the beach. God's <laughs> at
0: the beach. <laughs> he's. It doesn't seem to be that He's there. Because there's something going on because Satan has a moment, or sorry, the serpent has a moment. He has this moment in time. Right. Where's God? Is God all-knowing? It doesn't seem so according to this book right now. It doesn't seem like he's all-knowing. Okay? It seems like he's unaware. But we also know later on we learn more things about this story. This is a very basic prototype of how man and how a created thing relates to a creator. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So, the author seems to believe that man and woman could hide.
1: And then God could come down and like, chill.
0: And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? So, this God doesn't know where he is. Now, they say that's a rhetorical question. Well... According to this author, it seems like there's this pretty simple thing. God can hide from, I mean, man can hide from God, and God will call out and say, where are you? I'm just here to, we've been walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It's the cool of the day. Where are you? Where are you? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So his shame has suddenly messed up the relationship that he had with this God. He knew he knew, not only had he disobeyed, but his eyes were opened. Now he was thinking like something other than a human. He was thinking more like a God. Oh. He was looking at himself subjectively and objectively. He wasn't relating anymore. It became an object of, he was objectified.
1: And it's interesting that I guess my question is sort of answered like, who are they afraid of seeing them naked? Well, I guess it was God.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. They were. I was naked. I don't want you to see me naked. So, how does God respond? So interesting. Who told thee that thou wast naked? Who told you that you were naked? Right. Have you eaten of the tree where I commanded you that you shouldn't eat? So, there's a a problem in this relationship. Who told you that? Yeah. Did you eat of the tree? Because the only way you would know... That you were naked is if you'd ate of it. Busted. So, was God keeping something from man?
1: Yeah. I mean, clearly. Now the question of was
0: it was good or bad?
1: Oh, well, that's different.
0: Well, the knowledge of good was in that tree. And the knowledge of evil was too. So, having the knowledge of good and evil breaks the relationship. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This... I don't care what anybody says. This might be oversimplification of an origin story, but it's deep, man. Yeah, This guy's absolutely. getting down to the root of the problem is what he's trying to show us. He's getting to the root of this problem. So, man suddenly sees himself in the way that a God would see himself. Uh, and the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Boy, that tells a lot. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? So God stops and looks at her and says, what have you done? It's almost like he's surprised. Yeah. And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me.
1: And I did eat. (laughs) Just keeps going down the line.
0: Yeah. And the Lord God said unto unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Now listen to this. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. What do snakes what do snakes do?
1: Yeah, they slither on their little snake bellies. So what did snakes do before? Oh. oh. Climb trees.
0: They walked. Uh. Yeah, they walked. They were those reptilian people
1: that the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's who and that's who took over the government. <laughs> there they are. The end, everybody. That's where <laughs> we were going this whole time. And that's the point
0: of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> he said that you you're, upon thy belly. Shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Hmm. It's not very hard. I I can tell you this right now. My mother-in-law, she won't go outside if there's a snake.
1: No, yeah. And if she
0: does go outside, you know what's going to happen to that snake? It's going to die. It'd be dead. Oh, yeah. There's enmity between the woman and the snake. Uh, I don't say all women, but I'm just saying my mother-in-law in particular.
1: There's, uh, I think snakes, uh, you have, is it true? I'm going to say this. And as I think about it, it's not like I've actually sourced this, but I've heard it said that uh, snakes are one of the only natural fears humans have. It was like snakes and spiders or something. I'm not exactly sure, but it was snakes was one of them. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily have to be learned.
0: Yes. Well, and that totally makes sense, because it's in my DNA. Now, I don't have a problem handling them. Like, I I have been in a lake where one was coming towards my son, and I was able to grab it without fear. Mm -hmm. I had no fear. Like, and that was just because I didn't want that to hurt my child, and it was immediate. Sure. It was in my DNA. It worked. Yeah, you were doing dad stuff. That's right. That's what dads do, or at least that's what they should do. I could have walked on water that day as well (laughs) if I was by myself. So, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So, that's the curse. Now, you have to crawl on your stomach, and we're going to be stomping on your head. Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. So, because the woman has misled the man, her curse is that from now on, when they— Right. Procreate, it's going to be painful for her. Her desire is going to be for him. And then he is going to rule her. That's the curse. Do you understand? That's the curse. Yeah. That's not the way it was intended. Right. It's That's the curse. Punishment. And the reason why is because they know both good and evil. You see, all this works together. The, the author of the story wants you to understand, if we take it down to the base of relationships with people, is that when they knew shame and they understood it, man, who was designed to have dominion, continues his dominion because by his design, that's what he does. And the woman, because of the shame and because of the breaking down of that relationship— She is seen as, the Bible will tell you later, as the weaker vessel. But we all know when we look, in most cases, and I can't overgeneralize because there's some very powerful women in our world, strong women that are stronger than me and faster than me. But in this instance, in this story, this woman is going to be ruled by this man because he is a dominionizer. That's what he does. He has dominion over all things. Now, so from here, then he says unto Adam... He said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee. Notice, he didn't say, I commanded her. He said, Because you listened to her and did what against what I said, this is why you're being cursed.
1: Yeah. So makes
0: sense. the man, the woman was deceived. She was, but she was deceived for the reasons in her mind that she thought was good. In her mind, she thought it would be good that she would be like God and be able to be closer to him. For man, he knew the commandment was for him, and he directly disobeyed it.
1: Right. And I broke it down, and I
0: told Tiziana and you guys that one day that I said that there was a point in our time, in time, where the woman's eyes were opened before the man's. Now, he was with her, but she saw something that he didn't for a very slight time, and then in order for him, that would have been not good. Because now his thing that made it good was not good, and now it's not good. Right. So, there's no happy ending here because now he's alone unless, you know, but according to Tiziana, there were, he had another wife named Lilith or something. Right, there. yeah, yeah. That's, that's not the biblical. Old
1: kind of left behind.
0: Yep. So, it's not biblical. It's not, when I say it's not biblical, I'm just saying it's not in the Bible. Right. So, right. all of our discussions that we have in here are based on this book and this writer that wrote these things. So, I'm going to finish up this part of this episode. I'm going to close it out. With this thought right here, and then we'll go and we'll get into the next one, and this is where we'll really get into relationship of a created thing to a creator, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, "Thou shalt not eat of it." Cursed is the ground. Hmm. Hmm. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. So now all of a sudden the ground is cursed. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. So because he broke the commandment, God cursed the very
1: ground. And made mean plants.
0: Now remember, he's the guy that has to dress it and keep it. So all of a sudden the work just got a whole lot harder. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. I wasn't really thinking about it. I mean, it's obvious that it's sort of an inconvenience, but I wasn't bringing it back to that.
0: Yeah, and he says, And the thistle shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field, which he was already given. It was just there for him. He dressed it and kept it, and he ate of it. But listen now, it says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so, now it says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. What did God have to do to get coats of skins?
1: Well, I suppose he had to uh, murder something. or just slaughter magic, magic them out of the air. He
0: had right. to slaughter the, well, either he, it says he made coats of skins. Now, if he was the original creation, he could have just went, here's a leather jacket. But right. that's not what he did. It's implied by this author that animals were slaughtered. Zippers
1: would have blown their mind. (laughs) So he didn't do that.
0: No. And he clothed them, and the Lord God said, Behold, now I want you to pay very close attention to this, Andy. I want you to remember what Satan said to the woman, and now I want you to hear what God has to say. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil.
1: Uh Yeah, yeah.
0: Satan didn't lie about that, did he?
1: No, I'm not sure Satan lied. No. I think he misled, but I think he did it without actually fibbing.
0: And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden.
1: Wait, just to keep him from the tree of life?
0: Is that what it is? That's exactly right. Ah. So, in other words, the reason why the man was able to be alive... Forever and eternal was because he was able to eat of the tree of life. I see.
1: So it wasn't like the tree of good and knowledge of knowledge of good and evil where you eat it once and you're just like, all right, I'm good on that tree.
0: Yeah, basically kind of what of happened a, was it's
1: a subscription.
0: Suddenly, if you eat of that tree and you have those same the same understanding of everything of good and evil, then you are no longer able to eat of that tree to keep you alive forever. So did they surely die? people would say spiritually.
1: Well, they also surely died eventually.
0: Exactly. And that's what Cherry would say. Cherry that's, would say that, that was the I death always warrant. read that.
1: Yeah. Uh, although there is the like right away line earlier, but I don't know that never bothered me so much. It just felt like one of those. Again, I've always viewed it a little bit as like the sort of threats you make to a child. Yes,
0: and I can see that. I can see where you get with that. But for for me in my brain space right now, I'm seeing it as they were separated from the tree of life and put out of the very garden that he made and said, you are now out of my presence. And when you are outside of God's presence, then you no longer have life, not eternal. You have life, but not eternal life. So if living forever was something that had never been introduced until that very moment, the author is letting you know that within that tree of life was the ability to live forever. Right. That's why they are dying is because now they can't eat of that. So from that very moment, the death sentence was placed on them and they only had so much time. So they've been kicked out of the garden. They no longer have a relationship as they once did. The relationship is broken. And as we said, whether you believe in a God or you don't, relationship is what creates order. Yeah, That's how we look at things. So we're not too far different. It's just a very, by saying not too far different, I mean, at the beginning, when we talk about origins, it all comes down to relationship.
1: Yeah, I think that's a pretty brilliant insight, actually.
0: All right. So let's end that one there. I don't have any jokes, sorry. Other than the first time, you know, when Adam and Eve were together and he said, Eve, back up. I'm not really sure how big this thing is going (laughs) to (laughs) get.
1: I don't know that I've heard that. (laughs) That's so wrong. It is, but it's also. Kind I get of in funny. so much
0: trouble with my humor, man. So many people stop listening to us because I have a bad sense of humor. Uh, Not well, just bad, like, oh, that's bad, but just like, it's like, you know, it's pretty bad.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> there was, I don't think that one's anywhere near that bad, but there's, yeah. There's
0: been a few. Huh? There's
1: been like one or two <laughs> where I don't know that. I can't that believe I, you said that. Yeah.
0: Anyway, well, Andy, this has been fun. And uh, we are going to go into a part two and uh, break this down a little bit more because I want people to understand what is actually going on behind that beginning and yep. also to understand what the Bible is. We were just in the first few chapters of Genesis. right? So, I'm going to read the entire Bible in the next episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway. Are you so, ready for
1: the longest book on tape? I've yeah. ever
0: read? <laughs> well, I hope you have a good day.
1: Oh, yeah. I hope you have a good day. Yeah,
0: me too. And everyone else. <laughs> yeah, and everyone here. And thanks for listening, guys. Go check us out on Patreon. We're going to put up some uh, some big billboards around the country. That's going to happen in 2023. Cool. I can't wait. And thanks to all those that have actually came on. We've had a few that have added. So very nice. Thanks for giving us money to go play. That's what we're going to do yep. with it. So we will talk to you guys again next time on the boroughs of Berea. See ya. Thank you. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.